Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad you've joined us. We are. Christmas is finished. Winter is set upon us. It's, for many of us, it's gray, it's cold, it might be snowy or rainy. I remember when we were first married and lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And for the first three years, I got, I found myself sinking deeper, deeper into depression. And then you diagnosed it and you figured out what was wrong with me. And you suggested I learn how to ski. And I did terribly because I grew up in the tropics. (laughs) But it was it was dreary. I mean, oh, we, it so was that dreary. lake effect snow yeah. that we had on the Michigan side, and we didn't see the sun for I mean, it Six could have been weeks. Like yeah, that. probably weeks at a time. So I know it's really it's really hard to uh, deal with all that dreariness mm-hmm. in the winter time. And for some people, we're going to talk about it's even harder than you than you would think. Right. We hear in the news this time of year, every once in a while, someone will do a story about the heightened risk of suicide and depression. But you say it's that's a myth. It, it's not just in the wintertime. Right. Um, what, what media cautions people against is during the holidays, Norm, they talk a lot about, you know, people are experiencing oh, loss and don't mm-hmm. let them be alone. And it's very sad to be alone at Christmas, which it would be, sure. you know, if, if you were alone at Christmas. So then there's some concern that, oh, you know, the holidays could bring on a lot of depression for people and maybe people would be thinking about dying by suicide. But the reality is that after the holidays, is the time when people get the most depressed. In fact, the suicide rate is the lowest during the month of December. Hmm. So how did we get that wrong? How did the newscasters, did they just presume the holidays and loneliness equal? Yeah, I think... I think that's it. I think they're just trying to think through, you know, like I would be if I would not feel good if I didn't have any big thing to do at Christmas. And for a lot of people, they're, you know, they've just gone through a divorce or they've lost somebody or they don't have the money. And it's just going to be a very depressing time of the year. But that is not what's going on. We're, we're going to talk today about a very specific type of depression that begins to peak during late fall and early winter. It's called seasonal affective disorder. And when you're beginning in that, you start to sometimes put on some weight because you crave a lot of carbohydrates during that time. You might notice that you sleep more. And when spring arrives, you think, huh, I'm beginning to feel better. <laughs> so a professor at Tufts University gives this explanation. Okay. I think it's really helpful. Help us. It may be that these post-holiday attempts, when he's talking about suicide there, are mostly cries for help such as people minor doing maybe an overdose or or crying for help during the after-holiday season. Mm -hmm. 
The apparent delayed effect on suicide attempts has given rise to the broken promise hypothesis. In effect, what he says is that many people go into the winter holidays with unrealistically high expectations, and then they wind up being very disappointed once they experience the reality of it. So that's why after the holidays, more people more. suffer from depression. Well, is there a difference in just feeling down or what sometimes we call the winter blues? And yeah. depression, are they they're different? Yes, and that's a really good distinction to make because that's why we're talking about this program. We want you to think about yourself or people that you might know who might have more than just the winter blues, and they might struggle with depression because there's some really good help that we're going to talk about with this type of depression later in the show. Okay, so let's start with the winter blues. So they don't reach a clinical depression level. It's a a lot like what you were feeling when we were living in Michigan. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel a little bit more tired. You feel a little sad. You feel a little more down. You can't get outside. But if it then begins to move into maybe a deeper type of depression and you're having trouble with sleeping and your appetite changes and your mood is more depressed and you feel like you don't want to do anything, you're having trouble concentrating, these are all more typical signs of clinical depression and a specific type of that which is called seasonal affect depression. It comes in the winter. It has that type of carb craving that a lot of people Mm. talk about where they just want to sit and vegetate and they're having trouble concentrating and they just feel down. Well, I guess maybe part of the Christmas thing would be eating the food and the the cookies and the fudge and that sort of thing. So maybe that's part of what that comes from. I know in the wintertime, I, I'm, I'm happy to hibernate. Yeah. Just give me a blanket and something <laughs> warm to drink and I'm going to read a book and feel really good about myself. Sometimes I feel a lot more tired, less motivated. I don't want to get out personally, because like I said, I grew up in the tropics and the cold weather is not my fine, my fine <laughs> space in life. Your but, fun uh... <laughs> space. <laughs> it is easier when the winters, when the when the, the sun is gone at 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, that's it. And you're cold and it's dark and it, there's snow and there's ice and the roads, you just don't want to go out and do things. I don't believe I have seasonal depression like you said. Thank you for diagnosing that. I feel better. (laughs) But some of these occasional blues just happen because of how dark it gets and how dark it gets earlier. Mm -hmm. So why would people with seasonal depression also get depressed then in the spring and summer when the there's a lot of light. Yeah, so that's an interesting uh, variation of this type of depression that you don't hear too much about. So there's a fall-winter one. And there's a spring-summer type of seasonal affective disorder. And this has to do with, so both of these have to do with your sensitivity to light. So some people react when they get too little light, which is the winter. Mm -hmm. And then others react when there's too much light. And that happens in the summer. Hmm. Well, January is easily seen as an unhappy month. I mean, the poet T.S. Eliot wrote, April is the cruelest month. What? He must have experienced or seen this pattern of the way light affects mood in some people, or he lived in the north where it seems like spring never comes. I think he was quite insightful, actually, because the highest risk of suicide is in the spring, Hmm. and a smaller peak occurs in the fall. So those are the two sort of times you need to be thinking about that. I mean, you need to be worrying about it all the year long for some people that are Mm -hmm. clinically depressed. But fall-winter depression usually does not lead to suicide. So you have more of an issue in the spring-summer type because there's a type of 
almost like a mania that comes along with that. With people that have bipolar depression, that is more likely to lead to depression if they've got that spring, uh, that summer one. So let me explain that a little bit because it's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky. It is. So depression, this takes a little bit of background. So depression can be unipolar, which is what people call major depressive disorder. So that's a unipolar type of depression. Um, And then there's something we call bipolar depression. And that's where people talk about that manic depressive type Mm -hmm. of depression. The up and down. Yeah. The up and down, the mood cycling types of depression that cycle. So in both of those types, in the in the unipolar type, in the bipolar type, you can still have seasonal affective disorder with either of those two types of depression. Hmm. And so that sometimes people have bipolar depression, but they also cycle during seasons, and other times may have a major depressive disorder, and they can also have this seasonal affective type. And that seasonal pattern has to be more prominent than any other episode of depression during the year or it occurs only during those seasons. So it has to be in that category. You found a statistic that says about 7.2% of people experience SAD, the seasonal affective disorder, but 202 experience winter blues. So it sounds like a whole lot more people get that right. sadness during the winter, but that's not clinical depression, right? Right. Okay. So the winter blues are tied to the latitude, I would guess, where you live. So areas like Michigan and Minnesota and the north, uh, many of the folks who are in our listening area, those states have less light during the winter, like the northwest, and that can bring on the blues. Yeah. And so as you mentioned, when we were living in Chicago, we didn't see the the daylight. We would go to work, it would be dark. We would come back, it would be dark. The kids would come back from school and it would be dark, and we never saw the light unless we got outside. So I would say that everybody has a little bit of a down feeling during that time, but that isn't necessarily clinical depression. When we talk about depression that takes this seasonal pattern, does it matter whether you're old or young? Actually, you're more at risk in the age range of 18 to 30 years old. Uh, Seasonal affective depression is less likely in older adults and most who experience this seasonal affective depression are women and those with a family history of depression. So for the winter months, January and February, those are definitely the most difficult for this type of depression. So help me with this. Specifically, how does light affect my mood and sometimes end in depression? So light keeps us on regular sleep-wake cycles. Hmm. So when sleep is impaired, we can become more depressed if we have this sensitivity. And in the spring and summer one, when light greatly increases, there's longer durations of sleep that leads to depression in sensitive people. So the circadian cycles, you ever heard that term, circadian Mm -hmm. rhythms, circadian Mm -hmm. cycles, they're biologically abnormal, we think, in people with bipolar disorder and recurrent depression. And that's why they have sometimes more sensitivity to the light. This is fascinating. Here's a fact that surprised me. The highest suicide rates in the United States have always been in the sunny, go figure, west, specifically in California, and particularly in the sunniest part, San Diego County. It's been this way for over 100 years, despite all kinds of cultural and social changes. Is it too much light? Well, that's the thinking. Like I said, there are the two types of presentations of this, the fall, winter, and the spring, summer. Mm -hmm. So in the fall, winter, 
the one that most of us are experiencing now, as you're probably listening to this show, look for the increased appetite, the wanting to sleep more, the craving the carbohydrates. And if you're listening to this in the summertime, because you can listen to these podcasts anytime, and you're in that spring-summer, you're going to have more insomnia, and you're going to have a loss of appetite with that one. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about what we can do to fight the winter blues, given that we're in these shorter, darker days of winter now. More on all of this on the Dr. Linda Mental Show in just a moment. The other night, I had an interesting conversation with friends at dinner. We were talking about the idea that Bible stories were not just nice stories, but they were there to help us relate to difficulties when they come. Now, I know this wasn't exactly a new thought. I know we know this. But how often do we think about what we are going through and actually place our life stories in the context of those Bible stories? So here's what we did. We took turns and we related a current issue that we were each having to a specific Bible story. Then we used those stories to encourage one another. So for example, one of my friends had a relationship with his boss that felt a lot like David's relationship with Saul. One moment the boss was praising him and giving him assignments. The next moment, the fiery spears would fly. Like David, he trusted God for his tomorrow. He often wondered about the timing of God's intervention, but trusted that God was working on his behalf and the plans God had for him were good. Another friend related to Joseph. She was in a job unappreciated and felt thrown to the side while others ascended and were promoted. She could really relate to being in the prison of neglect and rejection, hoping and praying that the king, the boss, would remember her and release her from false charges that caused the rejection. Like Joseph, she believed God would restore what was lost. By the end of the dinner, we were laughing and smiling. Life may have thrown us a few curves, but we were determined to react to those curves like the people of faith who went before us. So the next time you need a little encouragement, hey, grab that Bible storybook and think about the lessons we teach our children. Those stories aren't just for kids. They can really encourage us too. Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Well, welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. I'd love to remind you, so I think I will, that Dr. Linda is on Instagram now. We hope you'll follow her there, as we often post pictures of us trying to live out what we talk about on the show. We do sometimes. We don't post a lot of pictures of ourselves, but every once in a while we have a fun picture or something that we have in the studio that we want to put on there. She's also on Facebook at Dr. Linda Mintel, author and speaker, and on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Dr. Linda Mintel. I also want to remind you that Dr. Linda has written a pocket-sized book on this topic called Breaking Free from Depression. It's a helpful little book. It's real easy to read. If you have somebody in your life or you're somebody that struggles with depression, it is like literally pocket size. And it integrates scripture and good psychology, and it's just a really helpful little book. And that's found on your website. And it's also found on Amazon. And it's really cheap. It's like, I think, a cup of coffee. Yeah. It's like really 
inexpensive. So we're talking about depression and seasonal depressions and that sort of thing. What can we do? Let's give help besides picking up and moving to a sunny climate. Yeah, that would help me (laughs) to live in the Caribbean. (laughs) I'm tempted. All right. So if you experience fall, winter, um, seasonal affective depression, that's the one we're mainly going to talk about here. The key is really to maximize your light exposure. So there's several ways we can do that. One is just lift your shades and get natural light. So I notice that a lot of people keep their shades down in their house. Now, maybe that's a privacy issue, but if you can lift them and get natural light, that helps. Also, if you minimize your sunglasses in terms of using them not all the time when you're outside in the sun because you get the sunlight through your optic nerve. So that's a really good way to help. And find the sun. Just locate where the sun is and just take a walk in the sun. That will really help you as well. So now the other one, spring, summer. How do we handle that one? So it's it's going to be a little bit almost the opposite okay. of what we just talked about. Um, since this is a seasonal pattern about excessive light, then you do want to pull down the shades and you want to minimize that early morning light. So maybe you, your room needs to have darkening shades in it. And again, opposite, avoid the sun, wear your sunglasses all the time, and maybe even use an eye mask to help you sleep. Oh, that makes me remember the these light boxes we've seen advertised. Do those things work? They absolutely do. And they, and they come in two forms, Norm. You can get light boxes or you can get something called dawn simulators. Dawn, like when the sun comes up in the yes, morning? The, yeah, that type of dawn. Huh. So light boxes can be thought of as replacements for the sun because the sun is missing for part of the morning in fall, winter. The light box should be used during those mornings to replace the absent sunlight. So just think of it like that. And then using them in the afternoon, evening, or night is is not as effective because you're really trying to get that natural cycle Mm -hmm. of the light. Most cases, using the light box or this dawn simulator for about 30 to 60 minutes a day is really all you need. Um, the the light boxes use an intensity of 10,000 lux. That's a measurement of light uh, for 30 to 90 minutes daily, usually within an hour. Like I said, maybe within an hour of arising in the morning. And you can usually feel the difference of using this in about one to two weeks. If it doesn't seem to work, then consult your, your mental health professional and get some professional help. So treat the light box like you would with it, you would treat the sun. Mm-hmm. So don't look directly into it. When my patients would tell me they would do that, I'd say, what'd you get? And they'd say, a headache. I'd go, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, put it on a table while you're eating or reading. Receive its light in an indirect fashion. Um, you don't want to look directly into the, the sun because that's harmful to your eyes, right? So you don't do that either. Um, and you certainly wouldn't want to do that when you're out and you're in the sunlight, just don't stare at the sun. Sure. Just be in the sunlight. Right. So interesting with these light boxes, Norm, uh, Katie, our technical producer, said she Googled it, and she didn't get what we were talking about. So you'd probably have to Google light boxes for seasonal affective disorder, and then you could see what those options are. Okay, and what's the difference then with a dawn simulator? Well, think about what that says. It's actually simulating the dawn, right? So it's a little bit different from those traditional light boxes because they come on gradually like the dawn does. So it's like an alarm clock. And at times when the sun would normally have risen in the spring or summer or the fall or winter, the the dawn is simulated through this device. And this gradually increases in light, exerting this sort of waking effect. 
mimicking a natural sunrise. And these can be seen as more natural approximations of the effect of light on our sleep cycles and the way that we have the rhythm, the circadian rhythm and cycles. And even if the eyes are closed, the light will enter through the eyelids Mm -hmm. with the dawn simulator. So studies suggest that the dawn simulators have efficacy, which means they're effective, similar to that of traditional light boxes. So I think you can use either one of those. Okay. Okay. Well, couldn't I just take a pill? You know, I would try maybe the light box or the the simulator and see if it does the trick. If it doesn't, you might still need a medication. Mm -hmm. So even though you're using the light box, I have had patients who do fine with just the light box or dawn simulators, and then others that have to do both and take some type of medication. So sometimes that light therapy is used in addition to a medication. The, the bottom line of that, Norm, is that you always want to consult a mental health professional. Okay. Because symptoms of seasonal affective disorder can be confused with other medical conditions. So something like hypothyroidism or a viral infection like mononucleosis, you know, so you want to be careful that you're not misdiagnosing okay. yourself. Okay. So evaluation by a medical professional is really critical that with makes, this. That makes a lot of sense. This has been great help. And, and for some people... It may have sounded very professional, and that's what we need. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the kind of help you give us all the time. But in the last part of our show, we often want to turn to the scriptures. And I think when we begin to explore the Bible on this topic, I imagine we have listeners who have felt embarrassed or afraid to talk about feeling depressed this time of year, and we have good news. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's still a stigma Uh, to talk about depression and to tell people that you're struggling. And this is why we are addressing these types of topics on our show. And, you know, uh, Katie's also telling us that there's so much misinformation on TikTok and some of these other places that are not good sound medical advice or mental health advice. So, you know, Christians get depressed. It's just one of the things. If we look in the Bible, we're going to see people that got depressed. Absolutely. And, you know, we have certain biology, we have certain genetics, we have environmental factors that have happened to us, life problems. Mm -hmm. All of those things can make you susceptible to depression. So we need to be really careful that we don't judge other people and simply think, oh, they just lack faith and Mm -hmm. they just need to read their Mm -hmm. Bible and they're going to get better. Depression norm is very complex and it has so many factors involved, like the sensitivity to light a person may or may not have. Right, right. I love the fact that Luke 11.34 tells us that the eye is the lamp of the body. (laughs) This fits so beautifully with the fact that the light treatment we have been talking about goes through the eye, the lamp of the body, and that through the optic nerve as well. It impacts our body in ways that helps lift our mood. Light in the Bible is often talking about God and his holiness and truth and faith. In John 8, 12, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's saying here that as we follow him, the light, we stay in his truth, and we're guided by his light, like a lamp almost, which helps us deal with our depressions of any kind. That's right. It is part of what we need to do is really infuse ourselves with the Word of God. Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So in addition to using light to help us feel better physically, we must stay in the light by reading God's Word, praying and believing that we have a hope 
and we have a future because of this glorious light. That's exactly right. The psalmist tells us, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Consequently, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Consequently, of whom should I be afraid? He is our anchor and our hope. Isn't it important to remind ourselves of these truths when we're feeling depressed? Absolutely. And that's why we have to renew our mind daily. And that's an important part of depression treatment as well. Our thoughts impact how we feel. And when we keep them centered on God's truth, our mood does improve. That's part of what we need mm-hmm. to do. That's our part. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's a powerful word mm-hmm. about Jesus' ability to break through our darkness and for us not to feel overwhelmed. Norm, at the end of each of the chapters of Breaking Free from Depression, the little booklet that I wrote, I end with a prayer. So I want to close with one of those prayers. Good. Lord, please bring your light into my darkness, renewing my mind and healing my emotional pain. I trust you and want to experience joy and gladness that is promised in your word. Thank you for taking me out of the darkness and into your glorious light. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes the show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.